0: My guest today is Jada Scissor. Jada is a model, a content creator. She is a UN women changemaker. She's an advocate for body positivity, for mental well being, and for gender equality. Jada was one of the first plus size models in the UK who have challenged the societal ideals of beauty for over a decade. Very successful on social media with hundreds of thousands of followers and very well-known for the image of plus-size beauty as she graced the covers of Women's Health, Cosmopolitan magazine, and starred in billboard campaigns for L'Oreal and other global brands, as well as uh, being the global ambassador for Adidas. Jada has an MA in child psychotherapy, and a postgraduate degree in neuroplasticity. She's the current host of the IGTV series, Why We Feel This, on her Instagram, where she interviews neuroscientists and psychologists on emotions and brain health. And I was a guest on that just a week ago, if you want to take a look, where we spoke about everything from happiness to feminism. Jada ran the 2018 London Marathon as a non-runner, in underwear to challenge the fitness perception and body ideals. And as a result, she became the co-creator of the Celebrate You campaign, where she encourages women of all sizes and abilities to enjoy running. So there we go, uh, Jada Cesar. So you were talking about newness. What is that?
1: Ah, okay. Well, today's talk about newness was all about stepping into the unknown and embracing newness and being uncomfortable, leaning into the uncomfortableness. What newness meant for me, which was having a massive pause in my career due to production's ending and well, being a Big pause placed on most of them. Previously to the pandemic, I would have been flying once a week somewhere in Europe or further afield and have events to attend, shoots as a, a model, but also a social media content creator, and would talk a lot about fitness, mental health, body positivity, lifestyle, fashion. And wherever work took me, I'd be out and about, busying around. And then when everything stopped, I kind of had to sit with myself for a long time and think, okay, well, what, what is it that I am doing? And who am I without these labels? Which can be extremely confronting mm. and difficult to sit with yourself. I think being in your own company can be quite confronting. And I think it's been one of the best things that I've done for a long time. And I'd say it allowed me to come back home to myself.
0: Oh, I love this. I love this. You know, when we spoke that we're going to do this, I told you we're not going to prepare, we're just going to chat, right? But my personal intention, honestly, Jada, was to not, I mean, I have to, introduce that part of you to my listeners around being, you know, a model and so successful and so on. We'll come to that in the end. I actually am much more intrigued by the Jada who is, you know, you study child psychotherapy, you know, you have a degree in neuroplasticity, one of my favorite topics on the planet. And you're very active when it comes to well-being, to of course, body positivity, but also to gender equality and topics that are really, really mm-hmm. key. Which is not related in any way to your model career, if you want. I mean, I'm guessing you're positively leveraging your success and fame, if you want, to evangelize topics that matter. Mm. But to be very honest, I mean, one of the very important topics which you just brought up for me was a person like you who's constantly in the spotlight. I'm, I'm almost definite that the lockdown wasn't comfortable. For many of us, I mean, I'm, I'm also a speaker in many occasions, you know, so there is a loss of income, there is a loss of that high of being on a stage in front of 10,000 people, there is a loss of that constant, I don't know how you call it, the, you get used to the fact that you're hugging at 100 people a day. And I, I have to say openly, you know, when I give a good speech in front of a big audience and people come afterwards and we chat and we I, I feel their energy, it's wonderful you're calling this newness but isn't it i mean it's almost over we're going back to oldness in that case tell me a bit more about how you felt with all of this
1: Mm, so much in that just to go back it's a diploma in neuroplasticity and i'm about to do another diploma in neuropsychology Um, i'm a scientist at heart i think but also a massive spiritualist and trying to leverage the two i'm also on a yoga teacher training course so there is a lot of newness but definitely oldness. And I would say, like I said, coming home, I think I got into my career. So I've been modeling and content creating for over just, I think coming up to a decade now and very start of my career. I didn't really know much about the fashion industry. In fact, I came from a family where my mom didn't wear much makeup. We didn't have fashion magazines in the house. It was all about family and hobbies things that you enjoyed it wasn't about aesthetics i wasn't really 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 fashionable (laughs) i did not look fashionable i was a tomboy i lived in tracksuits and i didn't even know modeling what that was really and what it meant for me i was on this trajectory to be a child psychotherapist was going to go on to do my doctorate but ended my masters because whilst i was studying that um i was creating content on instagram around Diversity, inclusivity, mental health, and body positivity, and um, would just take pictures of myself. And um, some of my images went viral. And at the time, being a plus size person that looked cool, edgy, possibly in an editorial image that could look like it could fit in a magazine, that was really new, really interesting, really exciting. Mm. And there were so many other women hungry for that too. And so, fast forward 10 years, I've went into modeling and here now but before that I didn't care for that I cared for connecting with people helping people and bringing people closer to themselves I think I still have always done that but instead of being in a therapeutic one-to-one environment I've done it to an audience online so I feel like there was a common spread throughout my career but what I've done now is I've managed to what I think I've been on the journey of like pulling the reins back uh, because careers can take you away, and the ego can become very loud and overpowering. And it's really easy to get carried away with people saying how brilliant you are. And here's a flight of, you know, business class flights everywhere. And what do you need? It's all about you, 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 making you feel comfortable. And to be honest, as much as a privilege I feel with the position and how hard I've worked to be here, I think it's easy to lose sight of the why and putting the brakes on my career and not being so busy doing stuff has allowed me to sit with my why a lot longer. And yes, it's it's new, but it's also incredibly old.
0: So why? I mean, that's the simplest question to follow on from that. Why? Why are you doing all of this? Remember, I told you when Dorota, our common friend and one of my best friends, introduced us, she texted me on WhatsApp and she said, I met this wonderful lady. Her name is Jada. Here is her Instagram profile. You should interview her. And if you look at this WhatsApp chat between me and Dorota, I think it was like four seconds later that I responded with one sentence. I said, oh my God, I love her. And it's not because of what you show in Instagram, which I think is incredibly encouraging for a lot of people, but it's because I think of the why. So what I saw was not a plus-size model. What I saw was someone who is so desperately trying to make the world better, and in so many different ways. And I have to admit, Jada, it takes a lot of courage to do what you did. For someone like me who really, truly understands that beauty extends across every, every spectrum of every person that you ever meet, everyone's beautiful in my eyes, right? You were challenging a massive, massive, rigid image that the fashion industry put in everyone's heads. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. Do you actually know what made you that way? I mean, why were you the one that pioneered this in many ways in the UK?
1: I think it's a combination of things. I think timing plays a big part. I was handed Instagram, it just launched. I'm a creative at heart, but was working in a very academic space. So I think timing, then given the right tools and working in a very compassionate environment and seeing firsthand the devastating effects with the lack of diversity. So I was working with a lot of young girls at the time. I come from a big family with a lot of young nieces. I Fortunately, like my story isn't one of I had body dysphoria or anorexia I, I didn't come from a place of that but what I did have was great reassurance my family being like it doesn't matter what size you are you are beautiful like and more so what do you want to offer the world that's what's beautiful not the way you look mm. and so those morals and values I really wanted to drive home I think also it was a lot of what I wanted to hear myself I wanted to within my messaging of other people. Really seeing this as a new type of messaging. I wanted to tell, remind myself, because I'm five foot nine, I've always been like a UK size 16. And I've always had hobbies and other things to build up my self esteem, great tools, and have been quite confident growing up. But the older I got, the more I could see this messaging wasn't right. Again, I think it's just a combination of, of all these things, divine timing. I can't really put it down to anything else also just I'm stubborn so I think my personality comes into (laughs) it when I want something I go for it and I get my blinkers on and I'm just it's this way And not not in a way that I think I know everything I'm curious and always open to learning but when I think something isn't right I'm gonna go and change it
0: so you know these are all incredible traits but you know, most most young people don't have any of that. I mean, so the idea here is you could have insecurities on your body. Others will have insecurities about, you know, their ability to do math or excel in school and other. And so there are so many insecurities in the world. And, and once again, I actually struggle to see those things because every time I see a, a human being in front of me or any kind of being, I just see something amazing because everyone, without exception, has a few amazing things. And if you just focus on them, you see them, right? What would you tell people? I mean, not everyone is like you in terms of being driven and stubborn and and really wanting to drive a point. Where do you get the courage from? What would you say to people so that they actually go out there and say, you know what, I'm short. I'm just making an up something. I'm short, but there are people out there that love short people. Or I'm tall, but there are people out there that love tall people. How do we create that courage?
1: So I would say as much as I'm determined and very headstrong, I think a lot of my work happens quietly in my bedroom late at night, reading, writing, journaling, asking myself why. I'm incredibly curious. I think that's the biggest trait I hold. And it's my go-to mechanism I've learned over the years for anything that I feel I ask myself, why is this true? Where did this messaging come from? Who told me this? When did they tell me this? Do I believe it? Is it even relevant? And I come to my own conclusion. And that's, I think that's my leaning and interest in psychology because I like to understand our inner workings rather than being a robot and believing the things in society that we're told or these ideals and norms we're supposed to be. I think is that right for me? Because just like you, I'm like I think everyone is freaking awesome. And the best thing is when you see someone in their like space, even if they they're into like I don't know whatever it is, like anime or really niche hobby, or like a stamp collector, whatever it is. When you're passionate about it, that is beautiful. Exactly. And it doesn't matter anything. It's just like passion. And I've experienced that so many times, and it's something that I I think I was taught maybe growing up. I really think my dad, he was Turkish and very much like whatever you're going to be, just be the best diet. (laughs) No pressure.
0: Um, Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Actually, that's exactly true, by the way. I think what happens to most of us is that we try to be things that we're not natural at, and accordingly, we don't become very good at them. And so at the end of the day, you're sort of like, yeah, you're there, you're leaving a mark, but it's not really you. It's not reflecting on you. So I think that makes a big difference. How true is it, though? I mean, you've done campaigns with... You've been on the cover of Women's Health on Cosmopolitan magazine. You've done campaigns for L'Oreal, for, you know, Adidas and so on. And many, 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 many others. And I'm asking you, you don't have to answer if it's too political, but do they actually mean it? Are they actually really changing their mindset? Or is this just trying to comply with the pressure that's coming from the real people saying, come on, stop brainwashing us. Are there advocates in the fashion industry truly that are saying Jada is as beautiful as Naomi Campbell?
1: (laughs) I think the answer to that question is both and. I think, you know, there's probably a lot of tokenism that happens and, you know, we see it. But equally, I think times are changing and whether brands like it or not, you either accept the change or you fold like look at Victoria's Secrets they could have been as big as Rihanna's Fenty brand but in fact they didn't catch up and plus size models weren't for them and they made those statements loud and clear and people you know they've had to shut down shops and I think the bottom line shows there's power in our spend power in our money we're living in a very conscious consumerism space right now and I think advocacy can be legit and I think but I also think in these massive corporations it takes a lot of time for everyone to be on the same page and catch up and sometimes brand campaigns get it so wrong they just don't have the correct messaging because they don't have people on the ground with their consumers and customers but (laughs) equally I think there's also people that are saying let's put out these campaigns and maybe they eventually they'll believe it too when they see that the money is there to to match the messaging and people are buying into it. So I think both and.
0: Is it a time of change? Are we continuing in the right direction? I mean, is it imaginable that there is a time in the future where models will be just normal people, not starving, not being pushed for a certain image and, and photoshopped? Do you think we're getting there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I I think like the pendulum has swayed from the heroin sheet, Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell, onto the I don't like to use Kim Kardashian as a front runner in this space, but the curves, I mean, it might swing back, but I think at the moment we're going into a more realistic space. If you look at just where the marketing spend is going, it's in social influencers. And the majority of them are real people, even though some people might argue that they've got filters and all of this going on. But it's given access where we possibly haven't had it before because agents have been gatekeepers and at the end of the day brands want more than just a pretty face we want somebody that's somebody that's got more to offer so I think that's where normal people will come into it and also I think brands have realized that the way to market isn't giving us an ideal to aspire to it's giving us somebody we can relate to that is hitting home more and you know, on the rise of feminism, I think women are becoming more aware that we are openly talking about the idea of hating ourselves. You're not going to be allowed to profit from that. Help us to love ourselves. And that's where we'll put our marketing money behind.
0: I love this. Actually, it's really interesting. I never saw it this way that most of those ads are actually making you dislike yourself rather than feel that you're beautiful and empowered and that you know you're being marketed yeah. to start, yeah. Yeah. Of
1: course, you think like, "Oh, look like a Victoria's Secret's model and buy this underwear and you'll look sexy in the bedroom." Whereas now it's like, "Actually, confidence comes from loving yourself and yes, you can wear the lingerie, but you got to love yourself first. And here's how you can embracing those roles. Look at your stretch marks. Let's see more stretch marks on these campaigns and, and things like that. In fact, I think we are on the wave out of diversity. I think body positivity and stuff is, is kind of there. I'm really excited about the conversation around mental health. That's huge at the moment. And it has been for the last decade. It's been growing and growing and growing. And, and I'm really interested in moving more into that space.
0: We'll come to that in a minute. Can I just ask one more question on that? So do you think the idea of body positivity and now now that we love to see a Jada on the cover of a magazine, do you think this is extending to everything else? So do you think we are where we should be on gender equality? Are we where we should be on justice in general? I mean, George Floyd is not that long ago, and I hope that it's never forgotten. And in an interesting way, what you did by bringing that image of body positivity and the idea of, here I am, you know, I'm a model to aspire to, I'm like everyone, it is actually something that we need to see in every other field where sort of the fashion industry discriminated in terms of beauty and there is discrimination everywhere else. Is How can you take what you did in the fashion industry and try to apply it elsewhere? With gender equality, for example, you are a big advocate. What do you think is happening there?
1: I feel like there is so much more to be done. And there's so much to that question. I was like, "Mm -mm -mm," wanting to answer everything. I think there's so much to be done. I think that we haven't even scratched the surface. I just think camera phones have made things more available to us. We've been able to record incidences that we might not have realized happened before. And news has been able to spread a lot faster. I think for the pandemic, it's allowed people consuming more content now. And there's a heightened alertness because we are sitting at, at home. Most well, I can only speak for the UK, but at home. But I think that that is one of the reasons why George Floyd was as big as it it should have been, and sadly not the same amount of reaction that all the other names before his and names to come will maybe have. And I hope that that doesn't change, and we have as much light shed on all of the injustices. And I would say that for women. At the moment and again i can only really speak for the uk because that's where i'm based but there's so much to be done like even just simple things around equal paternity maternity care things about women after they've gone on maternity to access in coming back into employment there is being able to go part-time in senior roles the way that male investors look at new female ceos and taking a chance on them without expecting them to fail questioning that internalized patriarchal ideology and thinking why do we see women as one thing and men the other? And also as a woman questioning my own internalized misogyny, thinking things like there's a brilliant woman, she wrote a book called Untamed, and she says that women have been taught that the biggest and best thing that they can do and offer this world is being completely sacrificial and giving and giving and giving. And the more of an ultimate martyr you can be, the better woman you are, give to your children, give to your husband, give to everyone and put yourself last. And that is the best woman. And actually women now are realizing, no, we want to have a career too. No, I actually want to go have me time. Actually, how about my husband spends half of his paternity care at home too with me? How about by default, I'm not the homekeeper and maybe a man can be and that doesn't make a man less of a man. And I think toxic masculinity is also something we need to talk about and consider. Cause I think that's, that's harrowing. You know, one of the biggest killers in men under the age of 45 in the UK is suicide, that is a problem that needs to be tackled. Even let's move on to harassment. We had a, a really, really horrible case of a missing person that happened in the UK recently that really hit headlines because yes. it went viral.
0: Yeah.
1: And a girl called Sarah Everard who was on her way home from a friend's house and she just went missing. The story went viral, everyone was sharing it on social media and what we realised was an ex-police officer, and it's currently going through the courts at the moment, is currently suspected um, for murdering her. This hasn't been confirmed but that's what's suggested, which created a huge response in the media and through for women it, it was actually quite it had a ripple effect because i think every every woman can relate to her being harassed being sexually harassed even if it's just the beep of a horn or a guy you know i was on my way home today and a guy was just like oh beautiful and this is an old man who was clearly drunk Mm, beautiful and it's sleazy it's intimidating it's scary and even just a simple comment like that that can be just blasé if I was to just and, and a lot of people might say it's flattering but actually it's quite intimidating and you don't really know how to respond to that but it's just this normal socialization that a lot of people have gone through that think it's harmless and so I think there's that that needs to change and you know I speak to my friends who say What would you tell your son to do in that situation if he saw another man talking to a woman and maybe sexually harassing her or saying inappropriate comments to her? And my friends say, you know, I would tell my son or that man to not get involved because men are dangerous. And again, men are the biggest perpetrators and not all men. There is, that's definitely to say like, it's not all men, but the counterpoint to that is, but not all men are stepping in to change that and to support women. And so I think there is a lot, still so much to do with when it comes to gender equality, and it is a, a human rights issue.
0: My challenge is when I, when I think about you on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine or, you know, anyone following your Instagram account, it just clicks, Right. It's like years of brainwashing just are dissolved in a minute. It's like, oh my God, she's wonderful, okay? All that they taught me about beauty and about, you know, how a woman should be, about sizes and standards and so on, it just disappears in one click. Something needs to be done for people to realize, recognize what you just said in several minutes is intuitive, and I don't understand how we can live with it. I mean, those men, they need to somehow remember that, I mean, they must have a sister or a mother or a daughter. I mean, how can we get that clear that this is not what humanity should be? I agree. I think there is not only a lot missing, there is a magic missing. Something needs to wake people up and remind people that this is not how it's supposed to be.
1: I mean I wish it was that simple. I think socialization has a huge part to play and if we socialized men equally to women to be like that's not cool, it's not fun to beep your horn at women, it's intimidating, it's frightening, it's scary, but equally systematically there's a big thing that needs to change within within every employment. Think about equal pay. If women had more money, more financial freedom, more financial stability, That would make a big difference if women were able to, like I said, equal rights to having the same paternity and maternity leave, allow men to spend as much time at home with their newborns as women. I think those are things that empower women to not only offer more, but also offer better. If we had more money, if we had more time to, you know, out of choice as well, not every man wants to work and not every woman wants to be at home. So Equally, it's all about seeing that we are equal and we are able. And that isn't something that, you know, it isn't morals that changes that. It's law and it's the systems that we work within.
0: Regulations. Yeah, it is challenging, I have to admit to you. I mean, when I, you know, I I am the CEO of a prominent startup. And the idea of bringing true equality is actually a challenging task. Because rightly, like you said, not every man wants to be at home and the idea of paternity and maternity and so on, it's actually a very complex topic. And I'm surprised that even though we talk about the reality of the lack of equality, that there aren't deep think tanks actually solving this, right? There needs to be an answer that is is—that yeah. is like you on the cover of a magazine. Like, yes, that's it. It's clear, Right.
1: I can't speak from a corporate standpoint because I haven't had that much experience in it. But what I can say is that for a long time, when I was growing up, fashion didn't cater to my size. I was a size 14, 16. That's the average size in the UK. And that is not even that big, if you think about it. Yet, there wasn't any brands that provided clothes. Only really when there was the rise of the plus size blogger due to having blogosphere and Instagram and social media, Brands then realized, oh, there are larger women out there and oh, we are missing out on a huge consumer base. In the UK, we had one store and it was called Evans and it did not give us as much variety as we have now. And so I think that at the moment, what my feeling tone is for corporates is, is does it match the bottom line? Are we making enough money in doing that? Or are we just being a nice company? And nice doesn't make money and massive corporations. Are money driven? Let's be honest. Like that's how you can support your board and and the chairman and all of that. But what I think is, once you do it, you'll realise in time it makes sense.
0: Oh, it does for sure. It does, for sure. I mean, in a very interesting way, I worked at Google for many years. And, you know, of course, Google has changed over the years. And there are multiple views and opinions about Google today. But the Google I joined was very, very pro-gender equality. It was very, very basically aligning with the young generation's values, right? And yeah, and it was no secret that this is what made us successful. Because not only did it attract the most talented at what they do, because they felt they belonged, they felt they were respected, but also because they stayed. They stayed because they wanted to support those values. It is, it is not a charity and it's not a, an image. It's basically it's business. you know, to fit in with what the reality of the world is is business is good business. And yeah, but once again, I think it is a complex problem to solve because of all of the legacies that we have in place. And forget men and women. When I, when I started Google in emerging markets, we did not actually... In most of my early offices, you know, Poland or Turkey or whatever we didn't have a maternity policy, because everyone was hired at age 24. It was a very young team. And I remember vividly by the time I was leaving emerging markets and going to Google X, this was starting to hit everywhere. Like HR was like, hold on, we forgot to think about this, everyone's pregnant, right? And, you know, (laughs) it sort of (laughs) catches up. But yeah, I I agree with you. I love what you do with Celebrate You, the idea of running. You ran a marathon before you started that, did you?
1: Yeah. Just before we reach that point, to add to your last point, I would say that people will never lose in employing a woman because not only will you bring somebody that is just as skilled and talented to take the role as a man, but you're bringing in an extra added perspective of a female audience.
0: totally agree. Totally agree. That
1: you will never, you know, that's, you're getting double for your money.
0: I promise you. So I learned this the tough way. When I was at Microsoft, and I don't, I don't feel shy to admit my mistakes. I'm sadly Middle Eastern, born and raised with the mentality of there is a woman and there is a man. And you know what I mean, huh? manly men in the Middle East. And when I was at Microsoft, there was a program called Bench, you know, the candidates for senior uh, leadership roles. And we had a small learning group. You know, we got together once a quarter, five men and one woman. And she was Polish, so her English wasn't very fluent. So she sat silent half of the meeting. And we would battle it out like maniacs. You know, we bring up a topic and, and you know how men are. Blah, 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 loud, 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 loud. And then at the end of, say, an hour and a half of conversation, Ola would say, guys, I need to say something. So we would stay quiet for a minute. And she would say something that would blow us all away, right? It's like, did you guys think about this and just she drops one thing that comes from the women, the feminine intuition, the feminine empathy for employees, the, you know, so many things, creativity and so on. And it would blow me away. It blow us all away. And we would start another half an hour or an hour and a half talking about this, right? Mm. Since then, I was very well known to have 50% of my leadership as women. And just between you and I, don't tell anyone. Probably one of the main reasons I succeeded in my career was that I just had another brain. What my women leaders, country managers and senior leaders could actually tell me, my brain traditionally didn't see. Of course. And you put them together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also it's interesting to understand, like when you say, you know, as us men going at it, it's interesting to think that actually when we see women going at it, it tends to be women are emotional, but men are passionate. And it's co- mm-hmm. recontextualizing our emotions, and it's because in stories, it's like, oh, the heroine in distress in the fairy tales, or it's the the prince yeah. that comes to save the woman in our stories, and actually, that's because stories were written by men. I'm sorry, this isn't going to be like a men versus women argument at all. I, I'm like, loads of the men I know are feminists, and I love that, but it's the stories that we've been told that are so pressurizing, not only for women but for men too, and how it's created unhealthy perspectives of personality traits and if only we totally. could we could say have a woman shout and scream in a boardroom and be like "Woof, she went for it that girl's passionate that's really yeah. quite exciting and I think that's the attitude yeah. I like to bring to my I don't shout I'm quite a um I'm a calm Piscean, but Mm -hmm. when I believe in something and I'm passionate, I'm going to speak up about it. And I think that's due to the fact that my dad was, he was a very strong Turkish man, very traditional, but he would always say, like, probe me to speak up. What's your point? How do you feel about this? What's your opinion? And he was a low key feminist and he probably didn't even realize he was, but (laughs) I would say he was a feminist and that's led me to do things like celebrate you. running marathons.
0: Tell me about that. So once again, I mean, it's a very interesting challenge of the common perception of things, you know, plus size people shouldn't be running marathons. And there you are, Celebrate You is about running in general, and you ran marathons. Tell me a bit about that.
1: I laugh because I really don't know why I did it. I just it, Again, things just happened and the stars aligned. I think I was in the right place at the right time with the right influence. And I needed that challenge. I was not a runner before. I had never time to run or track to run. I didn't even know what personal best meant, which is when you hit a time and you try to Mm. surpass it. And I was like, why would somebody try to meet another personal best if they've just had a personal best? Like that's sick. (laughs) And so I happened to be going on a, I was really fortunate to go on an event, which was a sporting event. I met a woman there who was a bit bigger than me. And she had like quite a large chest and was like, she had run a marathon And I was like, oh, well, I think it's on a lot of people's bucket list. Maybe I'll just run a marathon too. I feel like it's something to do, right? It should be fun. And she was inspiring because she had done it. And she was like, okay, fine. And basically two weeks later, she called me up and was like, hey, I I found you. I got your space. It's pretty tough to get onto these things. You want to do the London Marathon? And I was like, sure. (laughs) Completely naive. Completely naive. And like about two weeks later, she was like, I've got us a space to do a half marathon. Have you been training? Come join this half marathon. And I was like, sure. What did I get
0: myself (laughs) into?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't know what I had got myself into. And that led me to do it because I was completely new and so fascinated by the curiosity around what your body could do if your mind was strong. And my mind was very focused on doing it and getting to the end. I didn't care about time, personal best. Just get me to the end with no injuries and that will be an achievement.
0: It's a mega achievement. Mega, mega achievement. I think it's a mega achievement. And honestly, Jada, it's an incredible inspiration. Really, truly and honestly, everything that you do, if everyone listening, if you don't know Jada, find her on Instagram. I think you'll be as inspired as I am. The handle will be in the show notes. Because I have to say, you truly are the reflection of the reality which is humans we're not our physical form we are our soul our intentions our values we are what we stand for and I think if we learn to see that side of everyone I would tend to believe that our perception of bodies and who we are in our bodies is going to change tremendously it's such an inspiration what you do.
1: Mm. Thank you I completely agree that is uh, if you strip it all back and you take away your clothes then you take away your body you're left with your soul and then the essence of your soul is who you are your personality the things that you're drawn to your interests and that's what makes you you really
0: yeah I believe that very very much you know sometimes when I You know, I used to be very interested in cars for a long time, and I hope nobody sues me here. But, uh, you know, Rolls Royces are built on BMWs and, you know, Bentleys are built on VWs. And sometimes when you are in one of those cars and you actually compare, you would go like, but hey, actually the BMW is better, right? And because the BMW is true to what it says it is, it's not just makeup, if you want. It's not... Just fashion on top of it, the essence of it is truly what it stands for. And I think what you're showing all of us is I am the Rolls Royce because of my essence. I am the BMW because of my essence. I stand for something and that makes a mega difference. You're such an inspiration for me. I am so grateful for your time. Truly and honestly, don't stop doing what you're doing, please. I know sometimes it's demanding, but please keep going.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me and keep doing what you're doing as well. Demanding, but if you enjoy it, then you can do it. And we need you.
0: (laughs) Think about it. The joy of meeting people like you, it's not demanding at all. I'm being spoiled with this podcast. It's my biggest joy. Jada, thank you so much. It's wonderful to have you.
1: Oh, no, thank you, Mo. Catch you soon.
0: I'm once again very grateful for your time, all of you, uh, for listening and giving me the opportunity to speak to such amazing guests. I think today truly was an injection of courage for all of us to be true to who we are because if you are true to who you are, you're beautiful. Your true colors shine and you become truly an inspiration uh, for everyone. I think Jada is a clear example of that. Find me on social media and please recommend more and more guests, more and more ideas to make slow-mo better. Help me spread this message by telling your friends, whether on social media or when you meet them, hopefully for a drink in summer as the lockdowns ease everywhere around the world send me a message. I'm Mo underscore Gaudet on Instagram, Mo Gaudet on LinkedIn, mo.gaudet.official on Facebook, and i um, Gaudet on Twitter. And yes, as we go down to our busy lives after lockdowns, I would want to remind you that regardless of how busy your agenda will be in the next few weeks, there's always time to slow down. I love you all for listening, and I will see you next time.